You have to excuse me this morning. I'm struggling with a little bit of uh, throat cold, so I may be squeaking and coughing and all that sort of thing. But uh, um, I have the pleasure this morning of being able to open the word with you and, and again look at Jesus, who is the center of everything, all of creation and all of history. It's all about Jesus. And so we've been taking a, a course through a six part series, looking at the life in Jesus in particular, especially as we go into the fall. And during Bible diggers, study the book of Acts, which is after Jesus and there's the beginning of his church. So we want to make sure we have the foundation of what was so great about Jesus to even cause a church to spring up. So let's go to the the Lord in prayer and then ask him to be with us this morning as he teaches us from his word. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we do have to come to your word. We pray that as your people did, even in the book of Nehemiah, that we would surround your word and that we would adhere to it and and respect it, and to learn from it, and to draw it into our lives, and to to allow it to change us, that we might continue to be conformed to look like the image of Christ. Lord, I pray that you take my mind, and my heart, and my lips, and have me only to speak what you have willed for me to speak this morning. We pray that we would all be listeners to what your Holy Spirit would teach us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We've been looking at the life of Jesus, and... uh, we started out with the prophecies and his birth. Then we went on to his ministry. He wanted to help people. Jesus was all about helping people and serving people. And so last week we looked about how a lot of his help, a lot of his ministry, he went about healing people. He had this ability because he was God and because he had all power to go and do things that not even doctors could do. How he could heal the blind. He could heal the leper. He could do these amazing miracles. And all those things that he did were signs. They weren't just there to extend somebody's life for a few years longer or to make them walk a little easier for the next mile. It was so that in those amazing, miraculous, supernatural things that Jesus did, it would open people's eyes and open our eyes to how amazing he is, not only for today, but for all of eternity. It was to point our eyes to the fact that he is so awesome. And so as people began to see all the signs that Jesus was doing, they would follow him. And as they followed him, he would also have this great opportunity for another portion of his ministry. And that was his ministry of teaching. He was not only going around doing good deeds, but he was going around speaking life into people teaching. And so this morning, we're going to concentrate not only about the fact that Jesus was teaching, but what was he teaching about? What was so important about what Jesus was teaching that he had to make it known? And so real quick, I want to I want to focus on uh, what he's teaching. <coughs> Excuse me. In Luke chapter four, Jesus has been going around and he's been he's been doing miracles. He's been starting to teach. <coughs> the crowds are coming around him and it, it says that uh, Jesus actually went one morning to be by himself to pray for a, a little while. And uh, people were looking for him. But this is what Jesus says. This is in Luke chapter four, verse 43. Look at this. It says, but Jesus said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For this, I was sent. That's why I was sent. Jesus says it wasn't just for me to plop down in one place and grow a big ministry and a building and do a lot of, 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 of miracles there. I came so that I could spread the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, if I was to poll most people, and especially Christians, and say, why did Jesus come to earth? 
we would usually say, well, Jesus came to earth to die on the cross and to rise again, which he did. But Jesus in that verse said, what was his purpose? To preach the good news of the kingdom of God, because what Jesus's intent was to make sure that what the cross was about and the resurrection was about was was within the bigger picture of the kingdom of God. See, I don't think we have any idea about the kingdom of God. I'm still learning about the kingdom. I remember way in the past, I'd read the words kingdom of God. I'd be like, I have no idea what that's talking about. And the Lord broke it down for me one day. He said, look at the word kingdom. It means the dominion of the king. We have all of our goings on. We go here, we go there, we go to school, we go to work, we go to the grocery store, we do this with our money, we do that with our... But there's so much more than just what's going on in my life. And what occurs is as I'm going about my life, suddenly all of life becomes about Jason. And as we go around our business, it's all about what we're doing. And as we get in our clusters and our organizations and even our church, it may become just about our church. And as Jesus came into the world and penetrated in, he said, hey, I have to tell you about something much greater than just what's going on in your life. I have to tell you about something much greater than just what's going on in your synagogue and in your church and in your town. There is this something called the kingdom of God. It is way beyond what you have ever understood or experienced before. But I have come. The purpose I've come is to go into all the little towns and to tell them about this kingdom of God. It's going to blow your mind. I've got to tell you about it. But the difficulty was the kingdom of God is a whole nother realm. And how do you explain the kingdom of God to people who don't understand that realm? You contextualize it. You put in stories and ways that people could understand. And so he would begin to tell stories called parables. There were these little stories about farming, little stories about a father son relationship, little ways that people could hear a story and through that one thing in life, they could get this bigger picture of the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus came. He came to do the works, but it was all within this bigger picture of the kingdom of God so that we could understand. And we know that's what he was about. I quickly also want to read from the book of Acts chapter one. This is after Jesus has died, resurrected. And just before he ascends, it says that he spends 40 days, 40 days on earth before he ascends. And this is what it says in Acts chapter one, verse three. Jesus presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about what? The kingdom of God. And so Jesus, when he was alive again, he was saying, I'm not a ghost. I got approved. I'll show you the nail holes. I'll I'll eat your fish. Um, You can touch me. You can hear me. I'm alive. But now I need to blow your minds again. And he began to speak to them. So even while he was on earth in his ministry, he was speaking about the kingdom of God. And then before he returns back to sit at the right hand of the father as the king of the kingdom, he says, now let me teach you again about the kingdom of God. When he was teaching, he was teaching about the kingdom of God. Why is that important? And it's this. Because a lot of times when we break down the teaching of the Bible, say, well, I know the Ten Commandments. Do this. And don't do this. But wouldn't that be sad if all Jesus came to do was to say, don't lie. Wouldn't it be sad if all he came to do was stay true to your wife? Wouldn't it be sad if he came and all he said was don't steal? Now, all those things are good. But you know what? 
A lot of teachers over time have said those things. Our moms have told us those things. Those are, those are good things to know. But what Jesus is saying is, in order for those to take effect, in order for those things to be a true reality that are coming out of your life so that you're not stealing and so that you are staying true to your wife and so that you are not, uh, uh, not lying and stealing and these things is, you need to be a son of the kingdom, a daughter of the kingdom. And that can't happen unless I go and take you from the dominion of darkness and draw you into the kingdom of God and change your heart. And then once I change your heart, then you're made new. And then you can live in this kingdom by doing what I want you to do and not doing those things that I don't want you to do because that's how servants of the kingdom live. It, 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 it gives us a reason not to lie. It gives us a reason not to cheat. And the reason is we have a good king and he's changed us. And so today I really want to hunker down for just a couple moments here in, in one story. Just to kind of get a glimpse of what it looks like. Uh, this is, comes out of Matthew chapter 20. And again, a lot of times in these parables, these little stories, you begin by saying this is what the heaven, kingdom of heaven is like. You can't use just one story to encapsulate all the kingdom. It's showing different facets of the kingdom. And so he's given this one story. A lot of times it made sense to people, the story, except when they applied it, it's like, but that's not how we usually do things around here. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven isn't how you usually do things because this isn't about you. This is about the kingdom. And so in Matthew chapter 20, verse one, it says this for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, so that's like a, a certain wage a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he also said, go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. And then going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them also, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those who were hired first thought they would also receive, came, they also thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But the master replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for one denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I, I chose to give to this last worker as I give to you. I am not allowed. Uh, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or, you do, or do you begrudge my generosity? And so the last will be first and the first last. So Jesus presents the stories where different workers come to the field at different times of the day. They all get paid the same wage. But the ones who came out earlier in the day who had to suffer through the heat and work longer hours at the end, they said, why didn't we get more? And Jesus talks about the master. And the master says, well, isn't this my vineyard? Isn't, isn't this the money that I have? 
Haven't I given to you kindly? And I love what was included in there. When they came grumbling, Jesus says to the one who had worked a long time, friend, friend. See, in the kingdom of heaven, we have a master, we have a king, whereby he has been so kind and gracious to us that even though we're a laborer and even though we've been having to do maybe some of the work in the field for him, at the end of the day, he still draws us near and he, he gives us a good wage. We get to live. But also he looks at us and he says, friend. And there's, I'm no friend of President Trump's. I'm no friend of, of the governor of North Carolina. I barely know the mayor of Four Oaks. Man, to have the king of the universe at the end of the day say, look what's coming your way. I, I have given you life. Would I come to him and then grumble? And say, well, I've been in the church longer. What about this guy? What about the thief on the cross who got in at the last moment? Shouldn't I earn more than him? And Jesus would look at Jason and say, friend. Isn't this all mine? Can't I do with it? What is right? See, in the kingdom of God, what we can trust is this, that the scriptures, whenever they talk about the kingdom, and especially whenever they talk about the king, they say that he is the king of righteousness, that he is just, and he does exactly what is needed to be done in order for his kingdom to operate perfectly and forever. And what I love about that is, in his kingdom, there will be no room for complaining because he always does what's best. He will always do what's loving. He will always do what's good. He will always do what's needed for him to take you and I up into his arms and say, don't don't you see that I love you? And so Jesus goes out preaching about this kingdom of God, making sure that we don't understand the wrong way, thinking that it's all about us. In fact, just after the story, I want to draw your attention to something that happens. This is just a couple verses later after Jesus told them that he was going to go die and that he would be flogged and and crucified and then raised on the third day. This this conversation comes up. It says in verse 20, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, came up to Jesus with her sons and kneeling before Jesus, she asked him for something. And Jesus said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one on your left in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink? He's talking about the suffering and all the work that needs to be done. They said to him, we are able. And he said to them, you will drink the cup. Basically, you are going to suffer at some point. But he says to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it, it has been prepared by my father. And when the other ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know, the other rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So right after this teaching of the kingdom and people complaining, here comes this mom and her two boys who's like, shouldn't my sons raise up? Shouldn't they sit on your right and on your left? Shouldn't they have some type of status and be able to execute authority in the kingdom? And Jesus is like, 
It's not mine to give. That's the Father's. He says, if you, if you truly want to be great in this kingdom, if you, if you want to get an understanding for what it means to, to rise up in leadership, you have to understand this is an upside-down kingdom, that things don't work the way that the world has been working. It doesn't work the way that all the elections run. It doesn't work the way that people have gone with all their big armies and just overthrown people who are smaller than them. This isn't the way that it runs at your office place. This is the way Jesus does business. And the way that Jesus does business is by loving leadership and service. And he says, this is how you know what it looks like. Jesus says that even the king, the son of man, have, has come not to be served, but he came to serve. And how did he serve? He served us to the death. Yeah, he did the miracles to show us his might and his compassion. Yeah, he did the teaching because he was good at telling stories and he could communicate truth. But oh boy, he went and he served us as the servant leader when he went to the cross and he took my place and he took my sin and he served me by becoming a load of garbage, the scripture says. He became rubbish in that place. And that's what I deserved. He served me to that place. And if the son of God could come to a place of being so low to serve Jason Hudson, yet he be king. Then when he calls us into a place of leadership and to step up as a mom or a dad or as a pastor or as a Sunday school leader or as a Bible digger teacher or as a leader in the community, we may be asked to take places of leadership. But what that means is we take a greater place of service within society. When we are a part of his kingdom. We follow the example of the king. Within the kingdom of God, he is so great. He is above and beyond all things. It is he who is the king and it's his dominion. And the scripture says that all the rest of creation gets that. The only two parts of creation that don't get that are Satan and his kingdom and the human beings who have decided to join them. So when Jesus comes and he teaches about the kingdom of God, he's saying, this is all mine. Are you with me? Or is this going to still be about you? Jesus will let it be about you. He will let your sin be about you. He will let your death be about you. He'll let your eternal punishment be about you. But if you want it to be about him. Then your sin was put on him. Your death was put on him. And your eternity was given from him. And that's the kingdom he wants to call you into. Recently, there was a song that just kind of caught my attention. I don't get a whole lot caught up in uh, a whole lot of current contemporary Christian music. And I hadn't even heard this one before. But I saw this song and I saw this video. And then when I saw what today's subject matter was, I just I knew I had to play this video. So I want to play this for you at this time. And and uh, as this song plays, just get a sense of how the rest of creation, all the universe looks at Jesus. And then what that calls us into as people who are called to be part of the people within the kingdom of God.
God of creation, there at the start, before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born in the vapor of your breath. The planets form, and if the stars amaze and worship, so light, I can see your heart and name. Every burning star signal fire grace And if creation sings your praises so Every pain is gone, canvas of you. 
Chase down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created, the light of the world, abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, a hundred billion fairies disappear. Well, you lost your life so I could find it here. And if you left the grave behind you, so alive, I can see. Yeah, that one, that one gets me. There's just something about when the king of the universe, in that moment when he says, when you speak, all those failures disappear. How kind is our king, the king of the kingdom. 